everybody. A couple of, um, I don't know, I think it was a couple months ago, um, I felt like the Lord was telling me <clears throat> that, uh, let, let me back up, <clears throat> I, was, I was complaining before the Lord, okay? Let's just be honest about it, okay? Because we in church, we got to tell the truth. So I was complaining about, about some things, um, just trying as a church how we're going to merge out of the, the whole COVID thing, and, and I, I felt like the Lord, I've, I've said this before, I'm, the Lord just reminded me of it. The Lord said, I gave you a season of rest, and you chose to make it a season of worry. I don't like being chastised by the Heavenly Father. It's not a whole lot of fun, but there was a certain amount of truth to that in that moment, and I've shared that thought with um, several friends as pastors, and I think virtually everybody who hears it is somewhat convicted by it. And <clears throat> this idea that during the lockdowns, there wasn't a whole lot we could do, and it was as if the Lord was just saying, just settle down. Or as my dad would say, simmer down. I'm not sure what that means, but you all know what that means, I think. Simmer down. In, I think we all, myself included, chose to make it kind of a season of worry. And then he said to me that um, you're going into a season of learning. Like, okay, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but Lord, I'm going to trust you and that we're going to learn. And so I have this sense that in the Old Testament, um, there's these uh, periodic times where Israel was supposed to leave the fields fallow. Don't, don't do anything with them. Let them recover, let them rest. And, and I feel like that's kind of where it's been. And now is the time after the rest for us to put the hand back to the plow, so to speak. And I want to talk a little bit about that because <clears throat> it's really easy to get wrapped up in, in doing things, and I, and I get that, but I suspect that there's some things that have to happen in the fields of our own heart before those things can happen in the fields of either the church or the kingdom or the environment or whatever it happens to be. And so to that end, um, uh, you should have a little card, a little sheet out there, uh, the same one that we did earlier in the year. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment, and I, I think you'll see what I mean here. Because I, I sense that the Lord is calling us back to, um, to doing some work, but I think that work needs to be some internal work before it becomes external. Does this make sense, what I'm saying? Nod your head so I know you're awake. Okay. I think this is an, an important thing. Um, so every year, um, I'm, I, I, I do this, this particular message, and so I want to do a quick review here um, just to try to get us back into the mindset of discipleship and what it means to follow Jesus ourselves. So <clears throat> you've seen the little triangle that we've used here quite a bit. Um, just remember that that top is your life. That's your life. There it is. It includes all of your relationships, all of your work, all of your assignments, all of your tasks, your goals, probably some of your hopes and dreams and even the stuff that you don't particularly care for. It, in, it includes all of that. And, and down there on the lower left, that's you. And when we say you, we mean all of you. We mean um, your personality and your experiences, your interests, your beliefs, your values, and especially your identity. That's you. And God made you that particular way. 
And the vast majority of us, I think the vast majority of the world, uh, tends to try to live life there on the, what is that, left side of the triangle. I'm going to attempt to do what I need to do to live my life. And there's a lot of stuff out there right now, especially if you're a YouTube fan, that you can find living your best life. Live your best life now, which almost always includes making a whole lot of money, by the way. Um, and they'll sell you a great little course for 100 bucks, and they're going to teach you how to do it. I was watching um, an ad. It captured my attention. I don't remember why. Oh, yeah, I do. I remember because um, it was something to do with the stock market, how you could make X amount of dollars in the stock market. And I think it was taught by a, uh, somebody in their mid-20s. And I, I, you know, God bless them for trying to, trying to make a living. I get it. But it's like you haven't been through a down market yet. You know, you get a little snow on the rooftop there or bald like me and, you know, maybe... Not that you don't have anything to offer, but it was just, it was a really interesting thing. Like, okay, you know, let's see how this works out in the next five or ten years or whatever. Um, but we, we try to live our life, and we try to live our best life, and we, we try to do that. Now, the problem is, is that it gets messy. <laughs> you know? Yeah? I really appreciated what Molly was singing about, that, you know, nothing takes God by surprise, but I find myself kind of, you know, deer in the headlights a lot, <laughs> you know, so to speak, um, because things will happen, and it, you know, completely, you know, blindsides me, and there's setbacks, and there's challenges, and you know what? Sometimes those, those things that we experience aren't external to us. Sometimes they're things that are happening in our own lives, right? Like, um, you know, Somebody will say something to you, and there's this emotional response, and you're like, where did that come from? And you don't even know, but it's, it's just inside of you, and it, and it occurs, and it, uh, yeah, it just gets messy. So on the lower right hand, that's God. He's holy. He's wise. He's the creator and sustainer of, like, Everything. And he's very interested in you and your life. Very interested. I like Molly's word, invested. That, that, that's the right word. He's invested in, in us. I like that. And so the question that I think the triangle poses to all of us is what if instead of working on life by ourselves, crawling up the left side of the triangle, what if you worked with God to see what he has in mind for your life. What might that be like? And more importantly, where would you begin? Now, now this is a learning curve, because you've, you've got to learn these things. Um, and I, th I think this is an, an important, I think it's a really helpful diagram for discipleship in general, but just kind of thinking, you know, when, when stuff is getting messy or when stuff's getting hard, I have to actually physically say out loud, David, are you cr crawling up the left side of the triangle? How's that working out for you? Oh, it's so good. Yes, I do answer myself, so get over it. You do too, I know it, so it happens. <coughs> so at the beginning of each of the year, um, I offer this practice, an exercise to help us focus on being at the bottom of the triangle. I'm trying to give you ways so, so that you can stay there processing life and, and things with God. 
And, and really, what this exercise is, is to simply ask God what he has in mind for us, you know, typically at the beginning of the year. Because most of the time, beginning of the year, we're thinking about New Year's resolutions, and we're thinking about all the changes that we need to make. And we all know what those changes are. And, you know, by March, we've probably fallen off the wagon, most likely. Um, if you're still going on whatever your New Year's resolution is, <laughs> praise God, you're doing great. Awesome. But that we've, we've got to sometimes remind ourselves that, that, um, um, that God is interested in, a, in us. And, and remember, our definition of discipleship is that son, it, it's someone who listens and responds. That's a disciple. I can't get a more basic definition of a disciple. A disciple listens to God and responds to the things that he or she hears. And so we want to start the year by listening, and so we ask God for a theme, and then we try to keep that in front of us, and usually I do a mid-year check-in. Well, guess what, guys? It's June. So, how you doing? How's your theme? What's your word for the year? You, you had one, right? No. Sometimes we forget those things because, you know, life is messy and um, we can get off track. And Some of you, though, I know, because I've talked to you, God's brought that theme back around several times to you. Uh, I know he has for me. And some of you may already start seeing some patterns in your own life and the lives of others related to whatever your theme was. Um, and then some of you are saying, oh, yeah, theme, <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Remember, I had one of those, right? And many um, will be reminded of your theme, and um, later on, maybe today or this week, you'll, you'll, you'll see where God may have surfaced it in your life. Um, for whatever reason, I, I, I don't know about you, but things will occur, and it's after the fact when I do some reflection, I'm like, oh yeah, that might have been God. Has that ever happened to you? Because when you're in the midst of it, you're not thinking about God. <laughs> you're not thinking about that at all. But very often later on, after some reflection, you can go, okay, that may have been something that God was up to. And it's all good because it is a learning process. And, and I remind you of that because I feel very strongly that the Lord is telling Thrive Church that we're in a season of learning. We were in a season of rest, now we're in a season of learning, and I, I think that happens on a corporate level, on a church level, but I think it also happens on an individual level or a discipleship level, a, dis a level of a disciple. And, and so this is an oppor opportunity, this is a, a, a place for us to pause and to go back to what's going on in our own souls and what God might want to do in it. And so focusing on one thing at a time is usually the best approach. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, I do not multitask well. Anybody who served on one of my teams, trust me, if you ask Lisa, she will tell you that I do not multitask well. Um, and so as I've gotten older, I've tried to learn how to just focus on one thing at a time. Now, sometimes life occurs and you can't necessarily do that, but, but for the most part, I do my best to, to try to focus on one thing at a time. And um, I think focusing on one thing at a time is really a good idea when we're talking about discipleship. If you want to listen and respond, um, start with the theme God highlighted for you, okay? Uh, if, if, if he's good enough to 
put his finger and to tap on a word or a phrase or an idea that you know he might want to to work on in your life that's a great place to start listening because he initiated it it strikes me that things are a lot easier when i pay attention to what god is initiating there's got to be a fun way of saying that i got to think about that but mm, that one's really striking me right now because even when we're doing ministry um, it's a lot easier to pray from so, for someone when God says, hey, pray for that person for this specific thing, rather than you know, waiting for somebody to come up to you and saying, hey, can you, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. We're gonna pray either way, but when God highlights that stuff, that's just fun, and you get a, you get a chance to do that. So anyway, um, so if you wanna listen and respond, you, you know, start with that theme that God highlighted for you and, and I just want to remind you, here's what the New Testament um, writer Paul wrote to a, a church in Philippi. He says to them, I want to know Christ. Isn't, isn't that really part of discipleship? If we want to listen and respond, isn't that knowing Christ? I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that's going to be something. Um, we were playing some music um, at the beginning of, of service today where people are walking in and ain't no grave going to hold me down. Mm. Yeah, I want to know that kind of resurrection. That's going to be fun. But then he says, and participation in his sufferings. Whoa, now wait a minute. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'm interested in that one. But the fact of the matter is, life is suffering. We live in a fallen and broken world and nobody gets out unscathed, right? Every one of us has some type of um, issue, um, and, if, and if you don't think you have an issue, just ask one of your friends or your family members. They would be happy to enlighten you. But we all have them. We all have those particular things. And life is suffering. And so what I think happens, at least on a very basic level, is that when you are trying to know Christ and trying to live with him, the bottom part of the triangle, then suffering actually has some meaning to it. Because God will use that to shape you into the person that you can become. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now this is deep theology. This is rich stuff. And I think in, in my particular case, I, I don't know how many times I've preached this, this message and I've used this particular passage and I'm still learning new things about this. I'm still beginning to understand, trying to understand, trying to unravel some of the things that, God, uh, that Paul is writing about here. He goes on. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. Now, now, now stop there for a moment. Who's writing this? Paul. This is the guy who founded a whole bunch of churches. This is the guy who wrote, I don't know, what, 60% of the New Testament. Paul. This is the one who confronted Peter. This is the one who persecuted the church and Jesus appeared to him and said, knock it off. Right? This is Paul. He's been shipwrecked. He's been beat up. He's been, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And here he is writing in full disclosure, I, I haven't achieved all this yet. I'm not there yet. <laughs> There's always one more step to take with Jesus, always. I don't care how old you are, I don't care how long you've been doing this, whether you're a Christian for the first day or if you're a Christian for, you know, 60 years, it doesn't matter. There's always another step to take, and Paul um, 
points this out. So he says, I've not already, I've not already obtained all this. But then he says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of. Took hold of me. I press on to take hold of that stuff. And, and this is the thing. <clears throat> it's not about human effort, but there are things that we need to do. And we need to, to participate with, with, with God in these things. And that's what, what we mean by the bottom part of the triangle. We want to stay there and process that stuff. And so he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, there it is, that idea, one thing, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, there's this life that we live isn't all there is, and yet I still need to live it. Does this make sense? And I think sometimes, um, and I remember hearing this phrase growing up, um, so heavenly minded they do no earthly good. You remember this? Yeah. I think that's true. It's not either or, it's both and. You have to keep that idea of a heaven relation, heavenly relationship in mind. But there is still a life to be lived here. And so one thing I do, I forget what's behind. Look, your past does not define you. Has it shaped you? Of course it has. But it does not define you. All the good things, all the bad things, all that stuff you're not proud of, it doesn't define you. So we leave that which is behind us and we strain toward what is ahead. And if you are a disciple, if you are a follower of Jesus, it's Jesus. That's what follower of Jesus means. You are straining towards what is ahead. Like I said, this is just rich stuff. So good. But I like this idea, one thing I do, not five, not 15. How many of you have one of those planners or those calendars where you write down your top three priorities? I gotta be honest, that idea of having multiple priorities seems like um, a contradiction to me. I think you got one priority at a time, right? I might have three things that I'm shooting for, but I got one priority. And this is what, uh, what ultimately I think Paul is, is trying to get at here. Don't do more than one. Just focus on the one thing, whatever that is, whatever you know, God has highlighted for you. And that's why we start with God. What does he want to, to raise uh, to our awareness? Or what does he want to highlight? Or what does he want us to work on? And so here's the thing, if he knows you, and if he loves you, then he's probably got an idea about what he wants to teach you. There's this thing that's been going on for a number of years, and I'm, <clears throat> I'm really wrestling with it, with it myself. But there's this thought that I'm okay, you're okay, we're okay. And you're enough. Well, yeah, you are enough. That, that, that's true as far as it goes. But all of us have things that we can improve on, that we can do better. There are things in our lives that God looks at and says, yeah, I'm not sure that's the best idea for you. This is why I love the phrase, come as you are, but don't stay that way. 
try to find out the kinds of things that God wants to build into your life and, and move in that particular direction. But all of us, again, have brokenness and we have pain and we have suffering because that's the kind of world that we live in. And so while I, I, I understand the sentiment behind the phrase, I really think that, no, there's stuff that we need to do. There are, there are things that God wants to change within our hearts and our lives if we just listen and we trust him, which is a lot easier to say than it is to do. Believe me, I know that. But the good news is um, you can do this little exercise that we have at any time. You can start now or you can re-engage and get back on track. And so I just kind of want to walk you through this again. So I took the, the, the little card that I had at the beginning of the year and the Bible verse is on there and the triangle is on there um, so that you can make notes if you choose to. But on the back side, it's a simple process and I just kind of want to walk through it again. Okay. So I'll leave this up there. <clears throat> so on your card, what you're going to do is, one, select a theme. You can write this in if you want to. Select a theme. Um, there's a list at the bottom there. It is not exhaustive, okay? These are just prompts to get you thinking about stuff. And so what I would recommend that you do is you say a little prayer and just say, hey, Lord, and, and he, he handles casual conversation, no problem. Um, so you can say, hey, Lord, <clears throat> or hey, Jesus. Um, I know there's some things that you want to do in my life. Holy Spirit, would you guide me in that process? And then just take a moment and read through the list. Now, most of the time, there will be a word that jumps out at you. Most of the time. Um, Sometimes you don't even have to read the whole list. You just Your eyes will scan it, and it'll fall right on the right word. It'll just jump off of the page. I can't explain it. It just happens. I think it's the Holy Spirit highlighting something for you. Now, the quick caution here is that, <clears throat> in my experience, God chooses one, sometimes two, and on rare occasion, three words. Usually one, sometimes two, on rare occasions, he'll choose three. Usually they have something to do with each other too, but not always. There's always one, sometimes two, and occasionally three. Because what happens with a lot of people is they'll read through the list, <clears throat> and as they're reading through the list, um, they'll think, oh, Lord help me, I need to work on all of these. That's not from God. That's the enemy trying to confuse you and to make you feel um, even worse about yourself, and it's usually the voice of shame to try to keep you from engaging in this. Well, I don't want to walk through all of these because I need all of them. No, that's not from God. And the best thing you can do at that point is go back to your prayer and say, oh, God, help me to filter out that nonsense <laughs> and, uh, and, and reread it again. And sometimes it might take you a couple of sittings to do it, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like you got to, you know, do it in the first 30 seconds. The point is, is that you're trying to listen to God um, through this process and see which one of those words might resonate with you a little bit. So you're going to be um, selecting a theme. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. No, I think that's it. Select that theme. The second thing that you want to do is build routines. Okay? So you're going to build a routine around this. And so what I recommend in order to build a routine is go look that word up in the Bible. 
you can do a you can do a search online. Um, what's the one that I like? Bible Gateway isn't too bad. Um, Blue Letter Bible is pretty good. I mean, there's a couple of other ones out there, but um, just do a quick word search and try to see those places in the in the text where that word occurs, and read those Bible verses. <coughs> now. <laughs> If you get one that says love, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of reading, okay? <laughs> but the point is, is that um, you want to go look that word up. Also, the best thing you can do as you're building a routine, go look it up in the dictionary. Make sure that you've got a really good idea of what that definition is. Um, I find sometimes there are words that I use where I'm not sure I can accurately define it, um, but I know what it means in context, Right? So it's a really good idea to go look that word up in a dictionary and then um, be like a, a great elementary school student and look it up in a thesaurus. Try to find other words with similar meanings because then you create what we call a semantic field. And then you have a better understanding of maybe what God's trying to get at in your life, okay? And you're just trying to set him up uh, to speak to you in, in all of these things. And those are really useful exercises. Probably take you five, 10 minutes to do that, but it's so worth it. But that's part of building your routine. You want to get to understand that theme a little bit more. And then what you want to do is you want to remind yourself of it as many times as possible. So here's a couple of, of ways you can do that. Number one is you can set an alarm on your phone to go off at a specific time with just that word, just to remind you. And for those of you who are six months after um, doing this and you don't remember what your theme is, you might want to start with that one, okay? <laughs> Try to punch that one in and have that alarm go off to tell you that it's time for you to think about that particular theme that God is trying to put in your life. The other thing you can do is put little sticky notes up all over the place. Yes, it will annoy your neighbors and friends, but that's okay. Too bad. This is about you and Jesus, not about you and them, right? So um, put it on your dashboard, put it on your computer at work, wherever it happens to be, but have that word somewhere. Um, the one I like to do, people have heard this a lot, is I take a dry eraser market, marker and I put it on my, my bathroom mirror. So when I step out of the steamy shower, there it is, right? So that's a good way to do it as well. And you can think of your own ways to do it, but the idea is to try to keep that word in front of you as much as you possibly can. And I would say this, that in my own experience, this is where I trip up and this is where most people trip up. If it's been six months since you've revisited that theme, my guess is that your routine wasn't, wasn't real strong to begin with. That's not to make you feel bad, it's just an observation of, of how you might be able to improve this, okay? So select a theme, um, build routines. The third one is to form a team. So who do you have in your life who might encourage you in your pursuit of God with this particular theme? Um, who is that? Um, if you're involved in a small group, you might want to tell your small group. Your small group might, might uh, encourage you. But you always want to try to find somebody who will be an encourager. We've got a few of them here in this church. They just are natural encouragers. And, and if they know what your theme is, they from time to time might ask you about it. That's a good thing. The other thing you can do is ask people to pray for you about, um, about your theme for the year, your theme that you're working on, this, this element of discipleship. Now here's the thing though. <clears throat> Don't just say, hey, will you pray for me? <laughs> um, because oftentimes people go, yeah, and then they don't. And then they feel bad about it, and they never ask you about your theme, and you wonder what's wrong. So let's set our friends up for success, too. The best thing you can do is, you know, determine what your theme is, find somebody that you, you trust or respect, and you say, hey, this week, 
Would you pray one time for my theme? Just one. Now, very likely, they'll, they'll do it, you know, that same day. But if you do that, you give them a time horizon, it's a little easier for them to say yes and for them to actually do it. Normally, when people ask me, I try to do it right there on the spot, but I'm comfortable praying out loud in, in front of folks. Not everybody is, and that's okay. So if you're going to ask somebody to be on your team, so to speak, just ask them about that. Um, will you do it like one time this week? I would really appreciate that. And then uh, nine times out of ten, they'll do it, and you'll be able, they'll, they may even ask you about it. I think that's a good thing. Okay, so select the theme. Build routines, form a team. And the fourth one here is watch the time. I think this is really important because what I've noticed is, is that sometimes um, the Lord will highlight something and then it will begin to fade, but something else will come to take its place. Another um, thought or an idea may be related, may not be related, but you have to trust that God is, is taking you through this and he is building things into your life and and, and there's an ebb and flow to all of it. <clears throat> and you may or may not um, just have one theme for a, sing, a single year. Uh, for, uh, I, I think, two or three years, I had the same theme. Every year would be the same one. Um, other times, you might have two or three in a year. Just kind of the way it works out. Because, again, here's, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is the fixer. I can't fix anything. You can't fix anything. Not in somebody's soul. Holy Spirit is the fixer. So we need to trust Holy Spirit that he is putting those things into our life that he wants in there. Does this make sense? So I try not to fix people. Some days I do a really bad job of that. Because um, the way my dad taught me is that, you know, you're the man of the house, you fix things. So that first Christmas when I got a new, brand new battery-operated power drill, I looked at my wife and said, come on, baby, break something. I'm ready to go. <coughs> and she just shook her head at me. I get that a lot. I get a lot of this. <sighs> That's all right. Um, but the point is, is that we tend to want to be fixers. We want to help people and we want to fix things. But when it comes to the areas of discipleship and matters of the soul, this is, this is something only Holy Spirit can do. And so my, my number one task for everybody is always point them back to the fixer, the great physician, the mechanic. That's God. And so we want to try to be able to do that. So as we're, as we're kind of um, watching the time with all of these things, there is an ebb and flow because the fixer is busy fixing what he needs to fix. And we have to trust that, that he's going to get us to the point where we need to be. So everybody has this next step to take with God, so ask him what it is, okay? That's what we're ultimately arguing. For those of you who do journals and do journaling, um, here's a couple of great questions that you can use in, just in your processing. Um, when you finally figure out what that theme is, the first question is always, God, what do you want to teach me about this? What is it about this particular word or phrase? And, and I should mention that too. Sometimes it's a phrase. It's not just a word. It's a phrase. Um, sometimes it's an idea. Um, 
<clears throat> one of our more um, challenging members of our congregation said, I get to choose whatever word I want to, and thought that his word was cheesecake. Now, it could be cheesecake, but I, you need to understand that if Jesus tells you cheesecake is, uh, is your word for the year, believe me, it does not mean what you think it means. He's got something up his sleeve for you, Mikey. So what do you want to teach me about this? That's the question. All right, second question here is, um, why do you think this is important? That's always a great question to ask God. Okay, Lord, I see this. Why do you think it's important? And the third is, why are you choosing this theme now? Because oftentimes what we've, what we've learned is um, that in the course of processing things with God, it's not the first question, it's the second or third question that he begins to reveal some really powerful things. And so the more questions that you have, um, the, uh, the second and third variety, the richer your conversation is, is actually going to become. So when you're on the triangle, you know, flip that back over, I want you to take your pen and at the bottom part where it says me and God, I want you to circle that whole thing and I want you to write down you are here because that's what this is about. This is about being at the bottom part of the triangle asking God what the, he thinks is important because that is going to have um, a, a direct bearing on how you live your life or do your assignment or um, do the work that you're called to do. And here's my final thought, because this is a mid-year review. This is just one way of chasing after God's presence. It's just one way. Um, there are dozens of others. And so if this is something you don't want to do, that's fine. Um, you don't have to choose this one. But here's my question. If you're not going to do this one, which one are you going to do? How are you going to take that idea of listening and responding to God seriously. Because it doesn't just happen haphazardly. You actually have to invest in it, and that's when God, I think, invests in you. And so if you're not going to use this one, what will you try? What will it be? I don't care which one you do. I just, I just think this is an easy one to get you started. And I want to encourage you um, to chase after the prize that God has for you. And I really think that there's a prize here, and I really want you to press on towards that goal, towards that thing that, that, that God clearly is highlighting in your life. Um, I know several of you who've been through this process multiple times, and, and um, you've had some rich things that have occurred. Uh, I know of one in particular where there was uh, a clear... Um, couple of, I think it was two, themes a year ago, and now this year, uh, he's beginning to realize, oh my gosh, God's answering those prayers. He chose those themes, and here we are working through that stuff now, and it's exciting. Now, here's the thing. Don't you want God to be active? I, I think sometimes we just think that we can passively let God be active. And we never set ourselves up to have that occur. And so this is just one way of doing it. 
check in with God. God, what's going on? If you're mid-year on the same, I, I was just thinking about this. Um, by the way, so that you know, my word this year is unhurried. I'm really bad at that. And I'm, I'm learning, though. Um, there are several things in my life that are moving excruciatingly slow. But it's not because that we're doing anything wrong. Is that God is just saying, you need to be unhurried. And it's okay to be unhurried. There's a reason why this is unhurried. Because if you rush this, you're going to miss out some of the things that I have to teach you. Okay, God, you're the fixer. I'm going to trust you, even though I don't understand it right now. But there will be a day that I know that I'm going to look back and I'm going to understand why we had to be unhurried about certain things. So, um, impatient person, unhurried theme. This sounds like a great story <laughs> in the making. And you probably have yours too. So let me just encourage you once again to, if you've lost sight of your theme, you can get back on track real easy. And if you haven't done this before, now's a great time to do it. It's the beginning of summer. Yeah, I know you get summer vacation. If you're going to sit on the beach, grab a journal, write some things down. Try to figure out maybe what your theme is. Um, Jesus likes the beach too. Trust me, he does. So meet him there. Hey, God, you're so good to us. And um, we're um, once again coming before you as individuals and as a, a church body. And we're saying that our life individually and our lives collectively are yours. We have chosen to be your disciples. And we know that you're good. We know that um, you have settled everything at the, at the cross, and so nothing is impossible with you. And for whatever reason, uh, we are significant in that plan, and we want to know what it is. And so I just pray for every person that's gathered here, if they have a theme, that you would begin to speak to them about that theme again, that you would help them see where that, uh, where that theme is being woven in the tapestry of their lives. That they would open the eyes of their heart and actually see what you've been up to all along. And Lord, for those who have not engaged in this process, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would speak to them and highlight that word, that theme, that phrase, that idea that you want to build into their lives. That it would just be so crystal clear that it wouldn't be a struggle to find it. And Lord, I also want to pray against any outside interference. Sometimes it is the voice of shame that keeps us from reading all of those things. In the name of Jesus, be silent. Shame, you have no business interfering with the work of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes there are exterior forces that try to keep us from doing this. And so I pray against all the distractions, all of the attempts of the enemy to confuse things so that people can hear and really um, dig a little bit deeper to lean in a little bit closer to the things that you have in mind. Holy Spirit, you're the great physician. You're the mechanic. You're the fixer. You're the one who can do um, those things that we so desperately need. And so we trust you to do those things. And as we literally pause here in the middle of the year, we once again acknowledge that you are Lord and we want to follow you and we want to hear so that we can respond and be a part of whatever you've got in mind for the kingdom. And I thank you, Lord, for all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said.